in the sanctuary today, I had a song come to me, and I'm going to share it with you. I, I imagine everyone doesn't know this song, but I have a friend. I learned it from him when I was a teenager. I guess he heard it when he was a kid. It goes like this. <clears throat> me, 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 me. Grin again, gang, and get gung-ho about Jesus. Smile sweetly, sister, so you send your sorrow swiftly away. Hey, hey, buck up, Brother Bill, for a bunch of bitter boys. Become a bunch of better boys behind a big, big smile. Grin again, gang, and get gung-ho about Jesus. Everybody smile. <laughs> well, this morning falls my distinct privilege to horn in on Brother BJ and Brother Ryan's uh, teaching on the book of Acts. I have greatly enjoyed hearing the teaching and uh, they are, I'm so thankful for their ministry and their gifting, their study. They are such a blessing to our church. Let the church say amen. Appreciate them very, very much. So in Acts 15, uh, this morning, if you have your Bible, we are going to begin reading. Uh, and it's a pretty extensive reading, so uh, what I would like to do is uh, Brother uh, Ryan currently has the mic. I'd like him to read five or six verses, and then he can pass the mic to Brother Noah that's going to be sitting real near him. And then Brother Noah can hand the mic to my wife, and she can read a few scriptures and and uh, I want to read down to um, I don't know. We'll just read for a little bit, Amen. And I, I will probably make some comments as we go through Acts fifteen, beginning with verse one. Certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, "Except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved." When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissent, dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. Let's just hold on here for a minute. I want you to think about this for a minute. So, so up till Acts 8, the church from Acts 2 was a Jewish exclusive church they were the only ones that we know of scripturally got the Holy Ghost there was no one but Jews that got the Holy Ghost and then Acts 8 we know uh, persecution came and Philip went down to Samaria and he preached the word to Samaria Samaria and all the Bible says all of Samaria heard the word there was great joy uh, they were baptized, there was healed, demons were cast out. And the apostles came down because they heard they had faith, but they hadn't received the Holy Ghost. So they came, laid hands on them. And we can know they spoke in tongues just based on the cues and the biblical record. So they received the Holy Ghost. And so the reason why the Jews were easy, able to accept the Samaritans because the Samaritans were a, a mixed uh, people that was a mixture of the Jews and the, and the Syrians. The Syrians took the Jews as slaves, and so it became a mixed multitude of sorts, and their 
religion, the religion of Samaritans, was a mixture of Judaism and other components. Remember Jesus and the Samaritan woman. And so, but in Acts 10, Acts 10, something dramatic happens. Peter has the vision. Uh, a great uh, 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 cloth, uh, what's the word? Sheet, there we go. Great sheet is let down, all manner of unclean beasts. The Lord says, rise, slay, and eat, not so, Lord. It happens again. Rise, slay, and eat, not so, Lord. Uh, and the Lord says, uh, say that not thou common, what the Lord is sanctified. And so the Lord, through the ministry of Peter, the angel told Cornelius, Peter will tell you what you got to do. And so the Gentiles received the Holy Ghost. It blew the Jews' mind. They could not believe these uncircumcised Jews received the Holy Ghost. But they knew they received the Holy Ghost because they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God, just like they did in Acts 8 and Acts 2. So uh, this... this uh, difficulty of these Gentiles with the Jews, the Jews at this time didn't understand that salvation in the New Testament had dramatically been changed from the Old Testament. And it, because being a Jew, it, 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 it was so significant that all of the things that they had gained from Abraham in the Old Covenant, you couldn't, if, if a man was not circumcised, he was not saved. You would circumcise your male sons on the eighth day. And that is how they would be a part of the covenant of, the, of, the, of, of Jehovah. And if one did not circumcise their child, that child would be cut off from the covenant. So it was a big deal. In fact, if you remember... The Lord did not circumcise his sons, and the angel come to kill the sons of Moses because he hadn't circumcised him. And his wife cut uh, the, the boys, gave him a circumcision, and uh, threw it at his dad, Moses, and said, you're a bloody man. Y'all remember that? So circumcision is a big deal. So the Jews in Acts 15 they are, have always been taught all their life, you've got to be circumcised, you've got to be circumcised. If you're not circumcised, you're not, you're not a child of God. And so that, that, that uh, commandment was passed down to the Gentiles. There were some that left from the Jews, went and started preaching in these Gentile churches, hey, you ain't saved if you hadn't been circumcised. So great trouble happens. In fact, the scripture says it so plainly. Acts 15, and certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren, and said, except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. <clears throat> Great controversy. You know, uh, we have a hard time living for God, and we, getting people to live for God, and we just tell them you need to be baptized and get the Holy Ghost. So they were having some trouble. Keep reading, Brother, Brother Ryan. And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenice and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees, which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of 
Moses. And the apostles and elders came together for to consider of this matter. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us, the Gentiles, by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knows the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. And put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why tempt you, God, to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. Very good. So, so here's Peter. Peter is the chief apostle. We know Jesus gave Peter the keys of the kingdom of heaven. We know that in Acts 10, the angel told Cornelius, send for Peter. He will tell you what you need to do. It was Peter that went down to Samaria. And it's important to recognize that of the only thing Peter told the, the house of Cornelius they had to do is he commanded them to be baptized. They got the Holy Ghost by the preaching of the word because they believed. So he didn't have to tell them you've got to have the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues. That happened through the preaching. But after they had received the Holy Ghost, Peter commanded them to be baptized. Go ahead. And after they had held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets, as it is written, After this I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David, which is fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up that the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles, upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of, his, of this world. Wherefore, my sentence is that we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God, but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols and from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. For Moses of old time hath in every city them that preach him, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. Then pleased it the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely, Judas surnamed Barnabas and Silas, chief men among the brethren. And they wrote letters by them after this manner, the apostles and elders and brethren send greeting unto the brethren which are in the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Sicilia. For as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your souls, saying, Ye must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good unto us, being assembled with one accord, to, to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have sent therefore Judas and Silas, who shall also tell you the same things by mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that ye abstain from meats offered to idols and from blood and from things strangled and from fornication, from which ye keep yourselves, ye shall do well, fare ye well. 
Okay. So the first thing I want to point out is in the letter, he makes the point, uh, verse 16, and after this I will return and we'll, we'll build again the tabernacle of David. Tabernacle of David. The, ta- the tabernacle that existed when David became king was a tabernacle without the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was lost at the end of the rule of the high priest Eli. The sons, was it Hophni and Phinehas? They took it out in battle and they died and they lost the Ark and Eli fell off a pillar and broke his neck and died. And Samuel became the high priest. And all the time of Samuel's judgeship, there was no ark in the tabernacle. And during the reign of Saul, the ark of the covenant was not with the tabernacle. David becomes king. The ark of the covenant is not with the tabernacle. So when David goes and gets the ark, what he sets up is not the same tabernacle that was set up by Moses. It was the tabernacle of David. And the difference between the tabernacle of Moses and the tabernacle of of David is quite an amazing study. The Bible tells us that there were multiple doorkeepers. One of them listed is, what's his name? Where the Ark of the Covenant was kept for a few days. Obed-Edom, there you go. Obed-Edom is listed as one of the doorkeepers. He's also listed among the three sorts. There were those that would prophesy before the ark. There were those that would praise before the ark. And there was someone there before the ark that would record what was prophesied and what was praised. That's pretty cool. Uh, Obed-Edom was a Gittite. He wasn't. A Jew, he was a proselyte. So in the tabernacle of David, it wasn't only a Jewish tabernacle, but there were those that weren't a part of the official priesthood participating in the tabernacle of David. And they are referencing the tabernacle of David to say the Lord prophesied that he would rebuild the tabernacle of David, which means Gentiles would be a part of this New Testament covenant. And so they, 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 they made a conclusion. This is the first major conflict. The church had conflicts, but it was, this was a divisive conflict because you had the Jews trying to make the Gentiles be Jews plus Jesus, the law plus Jesus. But the apostles understood, but they didn't really have a clear understanding or didn't communicate it as such, that in the New Testament, circumcision, in fact it's in your scripture uh, uh, we'll just read Galatians chapter 3, O foolish Galatians who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth crucified among you this only would I learn you received you the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith are you so foolish having begun in the spirit Ye are now made perfect by the flesh. Have ye suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? 
He therefore that ministered to you the Spirit worketh miracles among you. Doeth he by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Even as Abraham believed God, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 Is any man called being circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Is any called in uncircumcision? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing but the keeping of the commandments of God. That had to be an outrageously offensive thing to a Jew. And further, not just circumcision but the keeping of the law. I, you know, that there's still a conflict today. There have been apostolic people washed away with this Judaizing uh, uh, virus that, that t- says you need to worship on Saturday or you're not worshiping right. And there are people that at one time were apostolics and they have left the gospel and have went to the old covenant. And what's interesting is these people that say they keep the Sabbath, I want you to listen to the things you can't do. It's in your notes. If you are going to keep the Sabbath, you have to do all of this. And if you break one of these, you've broke the Sabbath. So these people that say you've got to keep the Sabbath, they're, they're the biggest Sabbath keepers, the Sabbath breakers, because to keep the Sabbath, you can't carry anything. You can't burn anything. You can't extinguish anything. You can't finish anything. You can't write anything. You can't erase anything. You can't cook anything. You can't wash anything. You can't sew. You can't tear. You can't knot. You can't untie. You can't shape. You can't plow. You can't plant. You can't reap. You can't harvest. You can't thresh. You can't winnow. You can't select. You can't sift. You can't grind. You can't knead. You can't comb. You can't comb your hair. Oh, Jesus, we broke the Sabbath. Spinning, dying. Uh, uh, stitching, warping, weaving, unraveling, building, demolishing, trapping, shearing, slaughtering, skinning, tanning, smoothing, marking. And under each one of these, there's a long list of things that are qualified as that. So all if you meet someone that says they think you need to worship on the Sabbath because they're keeping the Sabbath, I can guarantee you they're breaking the Sabbath. Because if you start your car, you're breaking the Sabbath. If you use your phone, you're breaking the Sabbath. If you travel more than a block, you're breaking the Sabbath. And as Paul said, even our fathers couldn't keep the law. And in most cases in the New Testament, when the scripture says we're saved by grace and not of works, it's speaking not of obedient faith, it's speaking of the works of the law. We are not saved by the keeping of the works of the law. We are saved by grace through faith. Somebody say amen. And that is the essence of the the conversion from the old covenant to the new covenant. is, Is even in the Old Testament, you did these things in faith. Abraham was saved by faith. Abraham was saved before he was circumcised. But circumcision was a sealing of the covenant in the same way baptism 
Water baptism is the New Testament equivalent to Old Testament circumcision. It is the circumcision of the heart. And so it is in circumcision, it is in baptism where we enter the covenant of the New Testament. And in that, that, that miraculous two parts of one thing, we are born of the water and of the spirit which combine to make the new birth experience. Somebody say praise God. Amen. So, um, so it was determined, look, this is what you have to do. These are the things you can't do if you're going to be a believer in the New Testament. Uh, uh, <clears throat> that, that you abstain from the pollution of idols. Now, there's a lot of things that can fall into the realm of idol worship. And we have to guard our hearts because of one of the most common and deadly idols that you will ever be tempted to worship is the idol that we create in our own image. The worship and the things that we may do, and it's not based on scripture, it's based on our opinion, our preference, and what we think is right. And there's a lot of people, their religion, they don't worship God. They worship a God they've made in their own image. And we must be careful that we think God thinks the same thing about things that we do. Truth of the matter is, usually our first natural response is wrong when it comes to what God honors and what we honor. When we get the Holy Ghost, that does change. But we have to constantly guard our heart that we don't fall prey to worshiping our opinion and our idea of what God likes. For example, uh, no, I won't go there right now. Nothing wrong. I just uh, trying to. I'm trying to follow the exemplary leadership Brother BJ and Brother Ryan has shown. They finish a chapter on one Sunday morning, Brother Dutton. That's almost that's a miracle. To cover a whole chapter in 40 minutes, that's, a, that's amazing. I'm doing pretty good on time. I'll pat myself on the back. So, so they said you must abstain from the pollution of idols and from fornication. You know, it's amazing that, that idol worship was one of, the, one of the only things they were told not to do. And if you look at what Christianity devolved into that we see so exemplified in Catholicism and the Orthodox Church, they all worship idols. They pray to idols. They pray to Mary. They pray to everything but Jesus. They, it, the, the Orthodox Church don't have idols made of stone. They have icons. They have pictures that are sacred. And they will look at those pictures and they will pray. And, and it's amazing, uh, human flesh loves to worship things made by the hand of man. But the Bible says we must, we must abstain from the pollution of idols. There's a lot of things connected to idol worship. And we must, we must abstain from those things and from fornication. Fornication. So we're all adults here today. And uh, fornication, you know, there are many different uh, uh, areas this 
intrudes into. It's basically sexual perversion. And there's a lot of things that fall into that. Pornography, uh, which is a scourge of this current day. Uh, there's all kinds of things that if you don't guard the uh, guard your eye, it'll lead you to all kinds of of uh, downfalls. And so we have to abstain from the pollutions of fornication. I believe it is the book of Romans concludes that that the judgment of God will come upon all those that do these things and those that take pleasure in them that do them. So. Uh, there's a lot of things that happen in our world, and those people that do those things will be judged by God. They shall not inherit the kingdom of God, but in the same way, if we allow ourselves to be entertained by those things, we receive the same judgment as those that do them. I know that growing up, you know, that was uh, one of the significant reasons why we didn't have a television, because those things were very prevalent on television. You know, a technology to a great degree has has made it harder for individuals to be clear of those things because we have access via our phone, I don't know, maybe even our watch, but everything that's techno technological, we, we have something even more deadly than the old black and white television with the, y'all remember the knob, you turn and you move the the, uh, what is it, the rabbit ears and maybe put some aluminum foil on the end. You know, there's some things that were bad, I guess, on that. But comparatively, that was, <laughs> it was nothing compared to what you can find on your telephone. Computers and telephones. Telephones are worse than a television ever dreamed of being. Now, that isn't to say we shouldn't just have any conscience. We have to, we have to protect ourselves, and I would say that if everyone with children, you have got to be careful with your children and those telephones and those iPads because the devil is trying to pollute their mind. There's something about the nature of wicked. It seeks to defile everything to be dirty like it is. And we have to really, and I, you know, I recognize there was a lot of things that I could have done better as a parent, and... Uh, uh, we were technology immigrants. We didn't know what we were getting into, but the younger generation they 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 are gonna have they're gonna have an opportunity when they raise their children to to exercise some some discipline for their children and set boundaries up because uh, this world is wicked. It's always been wicked, but what is a click away? I, it's never been like this. A click away. And I think that uh, we just really need to be careful. So he said to the New Testament church, abstain from the pollution of idols. I think you could say the pollutions uh, from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. <clears throat> uh, what's that mean? Well, it, basically they maintained the prohibition from eating blood, drinking blood. You ever heard of blood sausage? It's very common in... Not much here. It's very common for people to eat blood sausage, which is essentially blood, and they boil it down to it's congealed, and they eat that. Uh, it's very common. You can find it here in America because there's some cultures that have brought it here, and it was forbidden to eat blood or drink blood because what, what the the life of the body is in the blood. It was a it was forbidden in the Old Testament, and the Lord says, "Don't eat or drink." Basically, meat that is strangled or saturated with blood. 
I would like to say that when you cook a steak, that stuff that comes out is not blood. That is the breakdown of the muscles and the fat, and it's good. It's not blood. It can be, but essentially that's not blood. That's I actually have looked it up. I've had people ask me, and I, I'm... What's the Bible say? Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. I'm fully persuaded that it's not blood. Amen. If you feel convicted, cook it as hot and hard as you cook it. Because you don't want your convictions to, to you don't, don't want your conscience to be seared uh, by eating your steak medium. Amen. I, I, I do avoid rare because I just can't do that. So that's my sign to go to the next part of the lesson. Because I wanted to make sure I covered it. Uh, Where we left off, would somebody begin reading? When they discussed, they came to Antioch, and when they had gathered the multitude together, they they delivered the epistle, which when they had read, they rejoiced for the consolation. And Judas and Silas and prophets also themselves exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed them. And after they had tarried there a space, they were let go in peace from the brethren unto the apostles. Notwithstanding, it pleased Silas to abide there still. Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. In some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again, visit our brethren in every city where we have preached and the word of the Lord and see how they do. Barnabas was determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark, but Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them between Paul and Barnabas, that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas, and he departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia. I can't say it right now. Somebody say it out loud. There you go, Cilicia, confirming the churches. Barnabas and Paul had a falling out. Why did they fall out? John, whose surname was Mark, wanted to go, he wanted him to go with them, and Paul wouldn't let him. And it was such a controversy that Paul and Barnabas, who had been companions for a very long time, broke their fellowship of traveling together and Paul and Silas continues and Barnabas and John Mark go somewhere, go in a different direction. First point, men of good faith have been disagreeing with each other as long as there have been men of good faith. <laughs> it doesn't mean that they are bad, it just means they're like us. Men of good faith have been having disagreements and it is our nature to disagree. Anybody ever had somebody that you just couldn't disagree with, couldn't agree with? Still love Jesus, 
still believe the gospel, but you just can't tread. Can two walk together except they be agreed? And so this was a great falling out. Now I think that it is my opinion, and you can pray and come to your own opinion. We can disagree. <laughs> it's my opinion Paul was wrong. Paul, when he was converted, it was Barnabas that went to Paul saw that what he had was true and it was Barnabas who spoke up for Paul and caused the church to accept Paul. He was a a man of, in fact he was the son of consolation. He was a man that brought people together. Barnabas was a special person and if it wasn't for Barnabas and the spirit of Barnabas, I think it would have greatly would have greatly hindered Paul and being able to be in fellowship with the apostles and the detriment is really unimaginable how that could have been destructive to God's plan. I do believe there would have if Barnabas hadn't done it somebody would have but Barnabas is a person that we see because of Barnabas uh, acting as an advocate with for John Mark John Mark later writes the gospel of Mark <laughs> And it was the writings of Mark that Matthew and Luke both used as a proof text. And it, I think the case can be made that if there was not the book of Mark, the Gospels of Matthew and Luke would have suffered. Because John Mark, I believe, was there with the disciples. Not as a disciple, but as a young man. I believe it was John Mark when the the disciples, uh, when Jesus was betrayed and there's a young boy mentioned that they grab his coat and he runs off naked because they hold on to the coat. I believe it was John Mark. So I believe John Mark was an eyewitness and uh, because of Barnabas uh, advocating and being a voice of faith, we have the gospel of Mark. Thank God for Barnabas. Amen. Amen. It was Barnabas who who was, I think, kind of a... In fact, the first time you read about Barnabas is there was a need in the Jerusalem church and the Lord t moved upon Barnabas and he was the first that we know of that went and sold land and brought the price of it and brought it to the feet of the apostles to meet the need and it caused a spirit of giving to move throughout the church where many people even caused some insincere people as Ananias and Sapphira to go sell some land. And so there, it was in the nature of Barnabas to try to be a voice for the church. If there was a need, I'm going to give. If there's someone that needs to be included, I'm going to include them. If someone needs to be restored, I'm going to restore them. And if there's someone that I would like to uh, follow their model, I want to be a Barnabas. Makes me think of a song, I want to be like Barnabas, right? And so it is It is a beautiful thing when we think about here at the conclusion of this lesson here in the in, in Acts 19, Acts, Acts 15, <clears throat> that we can, we can be encouraged the fact that good men can disagree and they can still work for God, God can still bless them. And just because someone has a disagreement, it doesn't mean either one of them are bad. They're both God's children, both trying to preach the gospel. Uh, you know, a few years ago, our organization had a, 
had a, a parting of ways with a lot of really good men. And I've known people on both sides of the issue. They just dismiss the other people on the other side. But I have always said, I, I love the, the men that part, departed. I, these are good men. They love the Lord. They believe in the truth. There's a disagreement. And I, I felt very, whatever, what was the rift, I felt very strongly. I was a very vocal voice uh, on the, the issue that caused the departing of ways. And if I had it to do over again and I could go back, I would vote differently. Not because I'd feel any differently, but I realized that the, the, uh, the divisive issue really was no issue because the world changed so much. It, we were really literally arguing about nothing. <laughs> Just a year or two, it all changed. And so it was unnecessary. And if I could go back and change my mind... I would go back and say, you know what? This isn't going to matter a hill of beans. So let sleeping dogs lie, and we'll leave it like it is. And we'll all be doing the very same thing in 10 years. And we've lived to see that be true. <laughs> but we love, we love people. people. People have disagreements. But in the process of disagreements, I want to be Barnabas and not Paul. Amen. Truth of the matter is, I've probably been Paul more than once. <laughs> right? And all of us, if you are active in fellowship, there are going to be times of disagreement. But we can seek to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And I believe Barnabas exemplifies that quality because of all the virtues that are most beneficial to the church at large is to seek to have a spirit of unity. I love you. We don't have to agree on everything, but I value your your person. I value your your gifts. I value you as a person. You are a child of God. And uh, what's that old song? You're my brother. You're my sister. So take me by the hand. Together we will work till he comes. There's no foe that can defeat us when we're walking side by side. As long as there is love, we will stand. Sing it with me. You're my brother, you're my sister, so take me by the hand. Together we will work until he comes there's no foe that can defeat us when we're walking side by side as long as there is love we will stand the good news on the issue with John Mark a day came in one of the letters of Paul he said bring John Mark with you because he will be a blessing to me. So even Paul finally came around to Barnabas' value of John, Mark, and uh, <clears throat> and they all lived happily ever after. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for your word. It is such a joy, Lord God, to read, to study, to meditate on your word. Your word is truth. Your word is life. 
Lord, your word heals us. We pray, God, that you would heal every every part of us, Lord. We pray, God, that you would help us, Lord, to, to walk in fellowship with one another, to celebrate the fact we, we make each other better, that we are never strengthened by, by departing, but we are strengthened by adding our good bit to the others, that all would be edified. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen.